You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers today. So we're going to kick it off with Aaron. Hey, another couple of quick things. Um, so... I, I feel like the game that we watched last night is the exact, exact game that Eddie Murphy described in Coming to America when um, he goes into his manager's office and is like, hey, did you happen to see that oh, wonderful the, display of American yeah, the football? The Giants and Packers, night? that's right. Like, the, I forget exactly how it feels. He's like, the Giants of New York triumphed the over Packers the Packers of Green, of Green Bay in a yeah. game in which they kicked a... Oblong skin of a pig through an upright H. It was most ripping. I feel like that's exactly what we watched last night. Um, We watched the Coming to America game. Where's my stupid thing? And. Here it is. If. if, When he says most ripping, I think it means that it's the most ripping game of which is ripping the Packers' hearts out of their souls. Anyways, also, um, I don't know much about, like, game plans and all that kind of stuff and whatever. Is the end part of it. Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. (laughs) But they're, like, I'm, for the most part, I'm kind of okay with Ben Don't Break. It's worth somewhat, for the most part. But there's a time it's great until it breaks and a place for it and that time is a, and a place for it is not when they just need to win by a field goal yeah. and run with like a minute 30 left on the clock where they just need to run the timeout that's not the time for Ben don't break um and I just don't get it like why that's when you bring pressure that's when you that's when you stop them and do everything you can to stop them. Um, but Joe Barry, um, yeah, but like I said, I don't know exactly what I'm talking about because I'm not a big like game plan. I don't watch film. Um, 
I don't know what I'm talking about in a lot of cases. Um, but it's just like, don't give up big plays and don't let them basically run the time down all that they need to. Like, bring pressure. Um, tell Rashawn Gary, hey, go get him, champ. Um, like, yeah, I, but, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, so that's that. couple thoughts on Ben Don't Break. Number one, I don't think Joe Barry, just so we're clear, I, I'm guessing if you asked him if he thought he had a Ben Don't Break defense, he would say no. Um, I think that's something we ascribe to him based on how the defense looks and kind of just, it's what happens based on the way that he plays defense or whatever. But I, I that just, just so we're clear, I don't think it's like the official defensive game plan of Joe Barry. Um, Beyond that, though, I think Ben don't break is is okay in a couple situations. Number one, you have a very good defense uh, offense, right? Ben don't break was fine when Tom Capers was running it in 2011. I mean, it wasn't very good, but um, when you got a, a team that just can score 35 points against anybody, because as long as you're not breaking, aka giving up touchdowns, um, your offense can outpace the other team. Ben don't break will allow a lot of field goals. Because field goal range is pretty close. I mean, you're not really bending if you're not even getting into field goal range. <clears throat> That's just called freaking domination. So if you don't have a top-tier offense, Ben Don't Break is stupid. Second of all, the other issue with Ben Don't Break is your defense is on the field a lot getting tired. All right? Again, there's been a lot of blame of the offense making the defense tired. The defense makes itself tired when it's a Ben Don't Break defense. So either you need to have guys that, you know, smaller, leaner guys that can tolerate being on the field a ton you know their cardio is way up there and that's just how we play like we we can we can go all night kind of thing playing football but I tend to think it's susceptible to falling apart in late games because they're tired because they are a bend don't break defense it's what they do third one is somewhat self-explanatory but bend don't break doesn't work if you break and that includes the fourth quarter because you're tired if you start breaking down because you can't stop the run because you're winded because they've been on the their offense has been on the field the entire game which has kept our offense off the field by the way which is another negative of the whole bend don't break thing if you start getting tired and start breaking that's a problem if you're if you're not able to hold defenses like we saw for many years with Aaron Rodgers where all of a sudden here they come in the fourth quarter roaring back why because the defense is tired why because of this stupid bend don't break nonsense but the other question is, okay, you're not breaking. Can you do that against top-tier teams, or is it just we, we, we can bend but not break against kind of bad teams? What if we go up against good teams, then they're going to break us? Because in that case, your team just sucks and it's kind of worthless. I mean, your defense. Figure something else out. So I have a lot of issues with bend, don't break, and there is a very specific scenario in which I think it can be tolerated. I think it, you have a hard time telling me or explaining me that the situation we're in calls for sort of a bend don't break style of defense so again I don't think Joe Barry would say that that's what he's trying to do but I think that's clearly what we're seeing as a bend don't break style defense and I don't think it's necessarily the best thing for the situation we're in we are seeing the defense start to fall apart late in games because they're tired they, the announcers even talked about it here comes Saquon he's starting to rip these guys apart why because they're gassed well freaking get off the field and you won't be so tired don't wait until they get down to the 10-yard line and then force them to kick a field goal and pretend that's some kind of a victory. Yeah, you saved points 
technically, if we just automatically assume they get seven, but you also kept our offense from scoring. You tired yourself out, so we're screwed in the fourth quarter. Like, this isn't this isn't a victory. Anyways, we got Pedro coming up, and it looks like I got to get the bleep buddy button ready. So, uh, Pedro, the redhead from Brazil, what's going on, my man? Hey, Ryan. Pedro, the redhead from Brazil here. So, I got to be honest. By the way, man, did you hear uh, football's going to Brazil next year? I even said uh, on social media, the Green Bay Packers have to go to Brazil. I mean, I know Brazil is a massive country, so there's probably a big representation of a lot of different teams. But it feels like the pack. There's a huge, huge amount of Packer fans. I don't know if it's disproportionate or not, but it's it's so weird to me to be like, oh, where are all the Packer fans coming from? It's like, well, the U.S. obviously. And then you got some Canada and some of the some UK, which kind of makes sense. Oh, and Brazil, <laughs> like not Mexico, not like France or Germany or Australia or it's, it's not Argentina. You know, it's it's not. Nicaragua, <laughs> it's Brazil. I don't know. It's just uh, if if we're going to Brazil, the Packers got to go. That's all I'm saying. Thank you. I don't have much to say today, but I'm calling because I really think I'm cursed. Mm. Um, first time I called, I said Christian Watson wasn't playing well. Uh-huh. Right after that, he started playing good. Okay. I called. I start. Crap shooting on the defense. Right after that, they stepped up. Then, the last time I called, I said Jerry Love was a guy, and now he's the bad. I said the passers was awesome, and they couldn't pressure King from the video and the Giants. So, just to be safe, now I'm gonna. Crack shooting everybody in the team. <laughs> Jordan Love was terrific. Yeah. Uh, th- th- that was one of the worst p- performance uh, I've ever seen from a Green Bay Packer quarterback. The beginning of the game, he, he couldn't pass like five yard passes. It was like way behind the, uh, the receiver. It was like terrible, 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 terrible. The, the defense. I, I, I'm telling you, if, if we make it to the playoffs, if we make it to the playoffs, and if he's Jalen Hurts, he's going to run for like 200 <laughs> yards in the game. Dude, Jalen Hurts, uh, can you imagine if we ever saw Lamar like in the Super Bowl or something? I mean, pretty much every, I mean, freaking uh, Brock Purdy would probably run for 100 yards. If we face the, the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey will have like mm. eight touchdowns. Oh, we can't God. stop the f-ing run. We just can't. Are you opened up in the middle? It's just run for scored. I think that if I'm playing the Packers, I can run like for, I don't know, 50 yards. That's just terrible. And the receivers? you got to be kidding me. I mean, Jordan Love wasn't good, okay? The passes were terrible. But come on, man. There were some balls like hitting the receivers in the chest, and they just couldn't grab it. Special teams? Oh my God! Last time I called, I said I was excited about the special teams. Today was like, what, what the? F- <laughs> it was terrible, absolutely terrible. Come on! I don't know. I, I, I mean, this was like, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they were cocky or something, but 
they got to step up the next game. They got to step up the next game. This was absolutely terrible. Okay, so I just did my part here. I appreciate that. Hope they they get better. Okay, bye-bye. I appreciate my fellow uh, superstitiouses. Um, There's a tradition that uh, me and my half-Mexican attorney have, and we didn't do it in this game, which is another – again, I apologize – Jersey Mike, I, I bear some responsibility. Pedro, we all we all have a responsibility to do what we 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 we've been Packer fans for a long time. We know how to make this team win. One thing that he and I do is we talk trash about the team. You know, the Packers will go score a touchdown, and I'll text them and be like, "Here comes the implosion." Just, just you know what I mean? Like it's just it's it's just superstitious stuff. Just say negative things, and then when the opposite had just like keep being negative and positive things keep happening. We didn't do it against the Giants, and that's probably why the Giants won. Mixed with Pedro and um and Jer- I mean Jersey Mike clearly bears the most responsibility. Let's be very clear about that. But I think we all, if we if we look inward, you know, and and hey, let's let's get it out there. Let's let's if if you feel like there was something you were supposed to do and you didn't, Blaine. If you're listening, let's be honest, man. You know that you and I, you could have texted me too, dude. Where was your text message like, oh, here come the Packers losing this freaking game. We all bear some responsibility here. It, 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 it is, it, it's up to the players and coaches a little bit, but let's be honest. There's more of us than them, and we got to do our part. If you got a T-shirt you wear, if you got some freaking stanky underwear or something that you got to put on, I know it's getting old and stanky, but put them on, bro. This isn't a joke. You know, I think we all got a little cocky and just assumed we were going to steamroll these people, and we're we're getting sloppy here. We got to step it up. So, Pedro, I appreciate you getting in there and doing what you got to do. I want you calling in before every game, trashing this team, talking about this guy sucks, that, you know, Watson's going to look like garbage in this game. Aaron Jones is never coming back. Jair's never coming back. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's get the juju going here. It's time to wake up, man. We've been We've been slacking for too long. Hey, what's going on, Ryan? Chris from Alabama. What's up? Well, Tuesday morning, uh, I woke up from this, this this awful loss that we took. I actually woke up three hours later than what I was supposed to wake up and start my trip for today. I got delivery uh, uh like six hours away, and I was supposed to start at like three this morning, but. Oh, man. Being that I stayed up so late trying to watch the Packers ultimately lose, I sleep through my alarm, and now I'm three <laughs> hours behind. But it is what it is, I guess. That's what I get. I should have took myself to sleep, but I didn't. So <laughs> the day starts, and I feel real cracked this morning. But I'm calling in. And I know I'm probably the last guy that should be calling in with any type of optimism because, like, five weeks ago I was out. But now I'm back in. So I'm not going to be the guy that calls in and says, you know what? I'm back out. Game, it was a bad game, but to me it wasn't. Terrible. I don't know why. It, it it wasn't terrible to me. Maybe because of the resiliency we showed when 
at the end of the game to to come back and take the lead, and and then the defense just gives it up. I I I don't know, man. And that uh that was that was just an awful. That was a gut gut punch, man. That was a gut punch. It really was. But to be on the optimistic side, it was just one of those Sundays. If you just look back at a few of the games, it was just one of those Sundays where I guess you can call it upset Sunday. I mean, look at the Lions. They lost to the Bears. Dolphins lost last night to Tennessee. I mean, you had some games. I mean, you could Buffalo and Kansas City. Yeah, the record. I mean, if you want to call it 16, they, they beat, they win in the Arrowhead. I mean, they always do. I mean, if you want to count it, I mean, Buffalo ain't the same team mm-hmm. that Buffalo has been being for the past couple of years. And they went in and, and beat Kansas City. So, I mean, you know, 49ers won, but I mean, they really didn't look dominant in winning. So, I mean, I, I'm just going to chalk it up to being one of those Sundays, one of those weeks where, you know, trap, trap games. It was trap games all over the place, and we just happened to get caught up in the trap. So we're still in good shape. We still have. Yeah, as I, we'll get to part two in a minute. But as I said before, we don't have to just ignore everything we saw. You know what I mean? I mean, it's. We didn't win those games as a fluke. It's possible that that's their peak, and they're they're just very rarely going to hit that stride or whatever. But but I watched the throws from Jordan Love. It's not as though it didn't happen. I saw the catches from the receivers. I saw the play calling. I saw all the things that were working. They have the ability to do that. They just, you know, you know. I mean, it's like when you look at one, let's say the Chiefs game and the Giants game, which one was a fluke? Do you think it's the one where, you know, ridiculous things are happening, like the muffed punt and Jordan Love missing like wildly from five yards out? Like, is that the norm? Is that what we're going to start seeing from now on? Or is it the other stuff? Which, again, we saw the crazy throws in the Giants game from Jordan Love. So there, there is reason, I would say, more reason for optimism than pessimism. And as I said before, I mean, yeah, Miami has a bad game and nobody cares because it's like, dude, they're a good team. It it happens. Nobody's going to bet against them. Nobody's going to look at Miami and say, well, maybe they suck now, right? It's just because they have that frame of reference, and we don't have that with the Packers. The Packers haven't established themselves as a known good team. They're too volatile, and they will be all year. I mean, just just from, you know, as much bad as there has been, add in the injuries, the unknowns from everybody, not just Jordan, but the wide receivers and tight ends and everything else, they're not going to be able to really establish themselves. They might be able to end strong and be talked about, which is my hope. You know, my hope is we finish strong and continue the narrative through the offseason of, I think this is going to be a good team moving forward. But that, that that's something to aspire to, is to be that team that has a bad day and everybody just shakes it off. I mean, you're as a Packer fan, you're frustrated because of the loss, but there's no long-term frustration of like, well, maybe they're just going to... Of course they're not going to be terrible. So yeah, I mean, they just got to shake it off. They got to go out. They got to smash Tampa and just reassure everybody, including themselves. But, you know, the fan base for our from from where we're sitting, be nice to be reassured that, oh, okay, that was just kind of a, a bad day. Everybody has it. Packers back with Rodgers, back with Favre. You, you had bad days. It happens. I mean, do you remember 2011, the one loss we had? It's against the Chiefs. 
the only loss, aside from the playoff loss, the only freaking loss. Actually, the playoff loss, too, was to the Giants. Well, I mean, the Giants ended up, I think, winning the Super Bowl that year. But the, the Giants were like the biggest fluke. And we were supposed to decimate them, and they beat us. And before that, we lost to the Chiefs. And the Chiefs were garbage that year. That was our one loss. Like, that should never have happened. And then we just went right back on to dominating everybody. Stuff happens, man. And you're right. We don't have to jump all, all off the train now. And as I said, I think we're going to see a lot less, like, volatile swings just because we've done it so many times. You know, it's like, after a while, you're just kind of like, all right, I'm not running back over there again because I'm getting tired. My freaking legs are getting burned out, man. There's too much running back and forth. I'm just going to stand over here on the optimistic side and just wait for the team to come swing back. And they will. Chris from Alabama again. Three, three minute monster got me. I figured that. I'm rambling, man. But we're still in good shape. We still control our own destiny. You know what I'm saying? And all we got to do is win out. Like, we, we, still, we still are in a good position to make the playoffs. Uh, Minnesota has quarterback quarterback issues, I just feel like Minnesota is going to ultimately drop out of the out of the running. Yeah. I, I just don't see, I mean, they stole the game, and they stole that game in Vegas. I mean, that was the worst game of the weekend, and they won 3-0. to zero. They really stole that game. But I don't, I don't see Minnesota holding up. Not with the quarterback, not with the quarterback carousel that they're about to be on. I'm pretty sure they're about to start Nate Mullins. They're going to drop out. We got a leg up on the Rams. We got a leg up on all these six and seven teams. So all we have to do is win games. We have to play a whole lot better. But we, all we have to do is win these games. And we're good. I mean, it was a bad week. So I know you probably don't want to hear it, but it's, it's going to be a learning experience. It's just something else to put in, put in, put in their head for a situation that come up like this. And you play terrible, but you just gotta finish the deal. You gotta, you gotta execute. It all came down to execution. We left a lot of points on the board, but looking forward, I still feel like we will make the playoffs. I feel like we're gonna go back home, play Tampa Bay on Sunday. Long as we execute, clean up what we need to clean up, we should be able to win that game. We have to execute though. I'm optimistic this morning. I still feel kind of crappy because of the game, but I'm optimistic this morning, and I hope everybody else is optimistic. I know it's probably going to be a lot of phone calls about love and about the defense. Now, side of the ball, Joe Barry, <laughs> man, Joe Barry needs to go. And I know a lot of people might think he's not going to get fired. He might have did enough. But if we remember, after the 2020 season, we went to the NFC Championship game. They fired Mike Patton. Right. So, I mean, it's not out the realm of possibility. I think, I think it's time for a new – it's time for a change at, at the defense coordinator position, man. It's just time, man. But they want to call in, man. Everybody, chins up, heads up, man. Sunday, we're going to go out and handle our business, man. We're still, we still in the driver's seat. We control our own destiny, man. We're going to get it done, man. Go pack, go, and I'll talk to y'all later. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of vacillate back and forth. I think this this game was very negative for Joe Barry's keeping his job campaign. Um, I mean, giving up that many points to this offense is brutal. And you can say whatever you want about the offense. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is the guy's contract is up, right? And so the question is, 
you know, at this point, you have to hire a defensive coordinator is, is the way that I would approach it. We have to hire a defensive coordinator. Is Joe Barry going to be the guy that we give a contract to? That's the question. So it's, it's not just a matter of, are we going to fire him? We don't have to fire him. The question is, is he the best man for the job that we're going to be giving a contract to? That's the question. Um, and, you know, use whatever metrics you want, but when you're 28th in DVOA, which is like the worst year that Joe Barry has had here in Green Bay so far, as far as that rank goes, injuries or not, I mean, that's just not okay. It's kind of weird here if you look at it. I was trying to break down that a little bit further. According to just their main page here as far as defense, the pass defense ranks 26th, the run defense ranks 25th, but on this little like graphic that they have here, the uh, def- pass defense is 8th, the rush defense is 31st. So I don't know. Maybe that's outdated, but the, the record is right. I think these graphics are wrong because the Vikings one is very wrong too. It has their offense and defense the same which is very incorrect. Actually, has the Packers offense. And I think of that graphic, I'm just not understanding. Anyways, it's, uh, it's bad, man. And there really aren't a ton of great metrics out there that would support Joe Barry. I mean, again, even if you just look at points, they rank 11th. Like, that's not something to throw a freaking parade for. 19th in yards, 21st in turnovers, 25th in first downs, 29th in interceptions, 14th in net yards per attempt passing. 31st in rushing yards given up, 20th in rushing touchdowns given up, 28th in rushing yards per attempt, 29th in average drive time, go figure, the amount of time that they allow the other team to be on the field is 29th, the amount of plays per drive, we rank 31st on defense, yards per drive, 24th, points per drive, 17th, which I've already said is more significant than points total, I want to know points per drive, and points per drive, they rank 17th. There's nothing here that I can look at and be like, dude, this defense is solid. Nothing. And it never has been. And Joe Barry's defenses have never been good, ever. And they continue to not be good. So I don't know what the question is at this point. You know, and of course, there's a question, well, then who would you hire? I don't give a crap. Listen, if I have a business, and let's say I employ one person, right? Let's say I got this podcast and I hire an assistant, and this person comes into my office and sits over here next to me and, and is supposed to help me with this podcast in some way or another. And they start like shooting up heroin right next to me and like taking their clothes off and peeing on the wall. And then they leave. And I talk to you and I'm like, hey, uh, I think I got to fire this person. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, I got to fire them. They're shooting up heroin and pooping on my floor, dude. Like, yeah, but who are you going to hire? I don't have to know the answer to that question to know that this person needs to be fired. I'll figure that out when we figure it out. The point is, this person should not be working here. They're two separate questions. It's so insane to me to think, well, until you can answer the question of who's better, you can't fire this person. That's ridiculous. (laughs) What are you talking about? This is not the right person. I don't know who the right person is. I'll never know who the right person is because I can't know the information that I need to know. People like Matt LaFleur would know because they need to understand what kind of a defense they need to run. They need to understand very in-depth, not just the X's and O's, but but execute. But they also need to know like personality and all that stuff and how that gels and how they interact with all these things. They need to have inside information from other coaches about this person. I don't know any of that stuff. 
So I'm sitting here. I can't. I, I can. Get, I mean, do you want some suggestions? I'll give you suggestions, but it doesn't matter. The bottom line is, is this the best person for the job? Are they doing a good job? If the answer is no, then the answer is we need to move on. Of course, it could get worse. Yeah. And I could hire somebody else that's, you know, shooting up twice as much heroin and, you know, pees on me instead of the wall. Like, that's worse. But that doesn't mean that I should have kept employing that last person. No, this guy's got to get fired too now. Maybe we got to work on our hiring process if you keep, you know, hiring drug addicts that like to defecate on things, like not in a bathroom. Maybe that's something to look into. But the idea that we should keep somebody employed that is actively awful just because I don't currently know exactly who the next person that I'm going to employ is, is not a correct thought process. The fact that it could get worse is also still not the right thought process. I understand that. And that is scary. And it can get worse. It might get worse. But we're 28th. If we're 32nd next year, is it going to make that big of a difference? I don't think so. I'm just over it, man. I'm, I'm, we have a garbage defense every single freaking year, and I'm tired of it. We're going to bring you in. You get three years to make this defense not suck. And in three years, he's never been able to do it. We have a garbage defense. And it's up to you to figure out why. You talk to the GM and tell him what you need. You make the scheme. You call the plays. You build this defense to get the best out of the players. You're the one coaching the players, inspiring the players, trying to get the best out of the players. Everything comes down to you, and we're ranked 28th. You did not do it in three years. We need to find somebody else who can. Period. Because, I'm sorry, if I want a great football team... 28th ain't going to cut it. Same thing I said about like Darnell Savage. I like Savage. I feel like he's trying. I think he could be better maybe in a different scheme. But the bottom line is, what I would like is greatness. And Savage gives you subpar play. The same is true for Myers. The same is true for Runyon. The same is true for a lot of different guys. I don't mind them. I think we can survive with them. But at the same time, we should be aspiring to finding just elite, dominant players to get in there and fill those spots. We shouldn't be content. We can be for the in the meantime because you can't fix everything. You're never going to have a perfectly elite team with perfectly elite coaches. But that should be the aspiration. We should never get to the point where we sit there and go, nah, this is good enough. Anyways, as far as the Vikings, by the way, and we are already almost 30 minutes into this. I don't think we've taken a break. They could potentially lose out. I mean, like you said, a, a three to zero victory is pretty damning. And they lost their last two games. One of them was the Chicago Bears. They've got Cincinnati coming up on the road. So this is back-to-back road games. Cincinnati's playing some good football. That's probably a loss. Then they have Detroit. Detroit's kind of spiraling a little bit, but they have a good enough offense to be able to outpace whatever it is Minnesota's going to be able to do, in my opinion. I know the defense is kind of doing some stuff. I just don't know if it's going to be enough. So it goes Cincinnati, Detroit, Green Bay, Detroit. I think Detroit could potentially beat them twice. And I'm not even saying I want that. I'm just saying it's entirely possible. At the very least, they're going to beat them once. So I think they have at least two losses coming up with Cincinnati and one against Detroit. And then it comes down to Green Bay. And like you said, we obviously are good enough to beat Minnesota. But it's a question of will we? If that defense revs up, talking about Minnesota's, and our offense plays like garbage, we're not going to be able to do anything. And as bad as their offense is with having basically no quarterback, it's not as bad as the Giants, who looked like they were freaking all-stars. So we can get boat raced by Minnesota if we show up and play like we did against the Giants. Or we can play like we did against the Chiefs, beat Minnesota with very little resistance, and tra-la-la our way into the playoffs. We'll see. And that's true for every opponent that the Packers have coming up. Somebody was trolling me on Matt, or both of us, on Matt Ramage's show 
Bears fan just talking about Bears are going to win. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe. I mean, if, if the Packers continue to play like this, the Bears will definitely beat the Packers. But if they play at their best, the Packers are going to win because both teams at their best, I, I would take the Packers to win that game. I just would. It might be close. You know, Justin Fields all revved up and running for all, all these yards all over the Packers defense and everything else. Could be an exciting game. Honestly, it would probably be the best case scenario if you see uh, both teams at their best and actually looking like two kind of powerhouses, especially since they're going to get rid of love, uh, Justin Fields anyways. But um, anyways, we got to take a break. We are 31 minutes in. I don't think we've done that yet. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. You can do so for as little as $1 per month. Or hit me up on Venmo Packernet Podcast. My wife asked me to beg a little bit harder because we had a massive car bill. She's like, please make sure you're begging for money like I do, I promise. So this is me begging slightly harder today. Needed like eight new tires and brake jobs and freaking rotors and whatever that stupid thing is called that apparently costs a lot of money. What was that called? Oh, calipers, I think. I don't know. Anyways, whatever. Freaking life, man. But we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Well, that was just pathetic. That was just a pathetic excuse of a football game. That's exactly what what we didn't want. It's the one thing you didn't want to happen. Okay, Correct. okay. You can drop, you know, a game to a, a, a you know a decent team or a good team. I would have rather this team have lost to the Chiefs and beat the Giants because you can't be a good football team and lose to bad football teams. Holy Jordan Love, where the fuck? Where where were you See, throwing? I, I get that. that it's windy. Put some oomph behind the ball and stop lobbing these things up in the air so that they just catch the wind. 
all over the face. <laughs> Christ, I, I turned the, I turned the game off after halftime. Why? You, we were leading at halftime because I could I could see exactly exactly what was happening. It's the exact team that just sometimes they just like to show up. It's it's I don't know I don't know what causes it. I don't know what what the deal is. It happened to Rodgers, and now it's happening under Jordan too. There's just these games that they're just like, oh, we don't play football no more. And it, like you've been doing this your whole life, okay? You you've been doing this your whole life. Okay, it's it's just it's ridiculous and it's crazy, crazy to me how you can go from beating the fuck to that. How, how and why? I I did, I don't know. I don't know. It's that was just that was embarrassing. That was it. Basically, just, you know, ruined our season. Like we were barely gonna make the playoffs, and now you know we won enough games that we're not gonna get a very good draft pick. Like always. Why do we always pick in the middle of the road but we don't get anything for it? No Super Bowls since 2010 and no high draft pick. The Didn't catch that last one, so I had to bleep it. But it's so much less work if I can just mute it, even though I kind of missed some stuff. But uh, it is what it is. But you're right, man. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like we said. We just don't want this team to be like all the other teams where you played down to your competition. Like, just put your foot on the gas, and what do they do? They just went way down to their competition. And we're like, hey, we suck today like you. Isn't that cool? And the Giants are like, oh, we were actually planning on playing pretty decent today. It's like, oh, wait, what? And then we freaking got beat by the Giants. I don't know. I I don't have an answer for you, Nate. It's just like, why do the Packers never have a good defense? I don't know. It's in their DNA. Do I expect to get a new defensive coordinator and have a good defense? No, because that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't. Like, unless this is 1995 or kind of 2010 or something, like, there's no such thing as a dominant Packers defense. It's not a thing. We have good offenses. Why do the Packers never just steamroll people? Why, why are they good, but they never, like, dominate? Just because that's how they play football, man. I don't know. I don't know. It's just how it goes. Oh, wrong button. There we go. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Jason calling in here from Vancouver, Canada. What's up, man? Oh, man. Disappointing one there uh, last night. Uh, took the first three and a half hours off work. Oof. To watch that game. Came into work late. And uh, had to deal with all the uh, trash talk coming into work tonight. That's horrible. So, yeah, not fun. Uh, not fun to go from kind of a bit of a honeymoon phase there with the last few weeks and hopefully it's not over you know I think it would have been kind of uh, uh, crappy if um, we'd lost uh, one of those Detroit or Kansas City games because um, we'd have eight losses now which would uh, put us in a tougher spot but you know still only have seven losses like pretty much most of the NFC um, so hopefully Sunday we uh, you know get back on that uh winning track and uh, we can kind of forget about this one um, a lot of bad things we saw tonight love didn't look very good there in the first half a lot of balls sailing over the heads of the uh, receivers um, I know they mentioned that the wind was a bit of a factor there in the first half but he looked like he looked against uh, Denver a lot of uh, Denver shoots uh, tonight for most of the team actually uh, but yeah, hopefully get back on the uh, winning track next week, and uh, hopefully we can. Um, this will be a distant memory. So go, Paco. 
That's about it, man. We just got to bite the bullet this week. We got to get through it. You know, we talk about it. We know that that's the one thing we didn't want to happen. We were really optimistic about something awesome happening and instead something horrible happened. And we don't know if it's going to stay that way or if it's going to get better. And we can sit here and speculate all day long. We just got to wait for it to happen. So we got to move forward. You know, we're more than halfway through this week already. So we can start talking about the Giants and, you know, we can talk about whatever else. The uh, injury reports and just or the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, and uh, get prepared for this next week and just hope that we get to see this week what we were hoping to see last week because we got a lot of bad teams coming up. The opportunity to hang forty on a team or whatever is still there. It's still a possibility, you know. As much as we want to give up on the defense, give up on Jordan, give up on whoever, um, we've seen good things and and we just we just need to see it again. That's all. So we'll see what happens, I guess. You know what, Ryan? Um, uh, I'm sorry, David uh, from from, from Brazil here. Look, come on, I, I just rewatched the game, like the the, the in 40 minutes, and, and uh, I I wasn't angry enough in that call. You know, what the actual f- that man? That was terrible, terrible. One day Robinson looked like he was Devontae Adams slash Terry Hill. Then uh, David, he, he looks like Lamar Jackson had a baby with Tom Brady. What the? F- that defense was absolutely terrible. That pass rush, they, they, they couldn't pressure him one time. Why should Garrett come? Because I, I love your here, but this game, come on. That was bullcrap. That, 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 that Zlatan play, when he runs absolutely free, untouched, and he couldn't even touch the f***ing running back. That was terrible. Terrible, terrible. Nixon, come on, man. Come on. He, no, oh my God! Oh my God! That was so bad, so bad. And, and you know what? Jordan Love, Jordan f-ing Love. Uh, this already. Look, I, I was already angry at the last game, but it, it, it worked. You know, absolutely. Every time you had like a, a, a third down, a short third down, or a, a fourth down play, he doesn't pass to the to the line. You know. Just back the line. Get the first down. Let's keep going. Move the chains. No, he got to try to do a huge play. You know, it, we are in third and five, and he, he's trying to throw the ball 20 yards in the field. Get the five yards. Get six yards. Let's keep moving the chain. We can't keep doing this. On our offense, needs to have the ball for more more time. We need time management. Our pass rush was absolutely terrible. That run defense, oh my god, oh my god, that's so bad. That's so f-ing bad. That's one of the worst run defense I've ever seen. This was supposed to be the worst team on the NFL. This this team has. No pass protection. This team has no passing game. This team was supposed to don't, not have a good running game. What happened? This defense that had one player, one good player before the game, like everybody was good. Everybody was good. What the what is happening here? Come on. And that of work, come on. I, I'm a huge fan of fan, but that, 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 that sweet replay, you gotta use like one, two, Three times a game. Talks. Not ten. Come on, man. Come on. We're better than this. We look like the f***ing bears. I hate this. I, 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 I'm sorry for all, all, all the swearing here, but come on. Come on. That was so bad. I, I don't even know why I watched the game again. 
I got to say, that was one of my favorite like intros into a call to call in and say, I'm sorry, but I wasn't angry enough last time and just do it all over again. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah. And as far as like the run defense and whatnot, it's, I remember when he was running on the Packers and they're like, this is what he does. This is what Saquon does. It's like, no, he doesn't like he, he had two rushing touchdowns against the Packers. Do you know how many rushing touchdowns he has this year? Three. Two of his three rushing touchdowns came against the Green Bay freaking Packers. He has not had a rushing touchdown since week two. He had zero in week 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, or one. He's missed some time, but I mean, in, in the, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games that he's played, eight games have had zero touchdowns. He has a 67.9 PFF grade, a 67.6 rushing grade. He's getting just 4.2 yards per attempt. It's not 5.9. He's not some next level elite, can't stop him type running back. That's not the case at all. In fact, he almost has really rarely ever been that, largely because of injury or whatever, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the reason why. This nonsense about like, oh yeah, that's Saquon, man. He's he's so good. He's killing everybody. This is just what he does. No, it's not. I get that his name is Saquon Barkley, and I understand when he came out of college at Penn State, he was like the greatest thing that's ever come out of college as a running back. Like He had a, a massive pedigree, and he had a great rookie year, five yards per attempt, 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, zero fumbles. It was an unbelievable season. Since then, though, it's been nothing but injuries and not very good football play. He hasn't hit five yards per, att- yards per attempt since. He's had double-digit touchdowns only one other time, and that was in 2022. This has not been a good pick for the Giants, period. I hate when they do that so much. It's like the Packers are struggling. They're doing a bad job against a bad player, and they're like, yeah, you know, he's such a good player. This is what he does. These freaking announcers, man, I swear they have no idea what's actually going on. They talk to the teams beforehand. You got, you know, you talk to the Packers, like, what's your biggest challenge? And the Packers talk up a bunch of guys like, yeah, you know, you got to watch out for Saquon. He's pretty elusive and all that. And then, you know, you talk to the Giants and they talk about Saquon and you know the name Saquon's a big name. So you get into it talking about how he's having a great year. You have no idea what you're talking about. He has not had a good year. He has not had a good career. Just shut your mouth. Stop giving credit to players that are not good. This is not about Saquon. This is about the Packers. Guy, Saquon Barkley has two games this entire year with a 70 or higher PFF grade. And no, against the Packers wasn't even one. Well, if he wasn't good, what are you complaining about? Very simple. Down the stretch, we needed a stop. Against an elite running back? Nope. Against a subpar running back. Could we get a stop against a terrible offense with the worst offensive line that I've seen ever with a subpar running back? Can you get a stop? The answer, no. Could you do it earlier? Sure. But now it's the fourth quarter, and the offense let it come back to get the lead. And we need a stop. Can you do it? No. And all we hear from the announcers is, this is what Saquon does. No, it's not. This is what the Packers' defense does. Anyways, let's take our final break. We'll be right back. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So I got cut off the last call. So um, I, I, it wasn't that bad. Uh, let's keep trying. Let's keep working. You know, m- maybe someone played well. And, and I'm telling you, the only player that that, that played well, uh-uh, we had like three players that played well. Took a class. It was yeah. pretty good. Jordan Reed. I, I like the guy, the guy. Yep. and Romeo Dobbs. Um, I feel like Romeo Dobbs always is a clutch player. You know, throw him the ball, he'll grab it, he'll he'll, he'll get the yards, and Jordan Love just stop throwing the ball to him. I, I don't know why, but that's it. Out of these three players, no one, absolutely no one, had a good game on offense. And on defense side, Zayn this is the only one I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out here. He, he, he looked really good, but. Despite that, that was terrible, 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 unacceptable, unacceptable. We, we were bad in all the phases of the game, and I, I just can't stand the defense anymore. We had no secondary, we had no run stop, we had nothing. The only thing we had working in the team was the pass rush, and that didn't come through against one of the worst offensive lines in the league. I just, I can't. I, I, I just can't. I get it, man. I get it. Just like you said, hopefully next week we have somebody play well. I think that's the goal. The goal against Tampa is for someone to play well. Brian, what's up? Kyle from Madison. What's up? It is, unfortunately, not Victory Tuesday. No. Not so uh, much. Let one slip away yesterday. There was just a little bit too much jersey in jersey, huh. I think. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, um, I really, I didn't have high hopes for this game. I just think everybody got a little carried away this week, including the team. I, you know, I had a coworker ask me, he's like, Hey, how much are we going to beat the giants by? I said, man, I don't even know if we're going to beat the giants, you know? Like, um, and I think maybe the players got a little bit, you know, I don't know if they're reading their, their press clippings or whatever, but it's a young team. And I think, I, I guess I just never thought that the talk of us winning, what, eight straight or something, I, I never believed that was going to happen. I just don't think that's realistic for 
for a young team, I think it's just going to be too many ups and downs. Yeah, I mean, it, it was unlikely we were going to win out. We were going to lose to somebody, but you hate to lose to the Giants. Because if you lose to the Giants, now it's borderline... I mean, because are we going to win seven in a row? Probably not, right? So, I, well, I shouldn't say seven in a row. Are we going to win out from here? It's starting to look like, no, we're not. That's sort of the problem, you know? So you look at it and say, okay, we're going to beat the Giants. We're going to beat the Panthers. Tampa and Minnesota and Chicago are a little bit more of a question mark, but you assume you win most of those. Um you know, Chicago looked pretty good prior to this week. You're thinking, okay, Chicago's automatic. And that's the thing, like week to week, things change. You never really know how it's going to go. But it, it just it just changes from the assumption is you probably drop one somewhere. But um, you don't want it to be the first one on that run, depending on when you call it a run. But I think we all now are looking at it like, oh, now playoffs, now this, now that. But uh, from this standpoint where you're sitting, it's like I just you start to wonder if you're even going to make the playoffs. I mean, forget winning the NFC North. Um, are we even going to be ahead of the Vikings at this point? You know, you just start to sow doubt. So I get what you're saying. Everybody was probably too high. And um, but it's just it feels like we swung really hard unnecessarily in the wrong direction. Um, but that's that. I mean, they did. They I was. They fought back. It actually reminded me a lot of some of the games um, during Rodgers' first year where he'd come down and they'd take the lead with you know, a minute or right. two to go. And then, then the defense would drop. <laughs> the other team would come back and win. But uh, but uh, I, I, I'm gonna, I am going to go to play calling, which – and it's a specific play. I just don't understand why Lafleur. So the the read play where they spring him for a touchdown was, was fantastic, but I don't understand why Lafleur just kept spamming that play yeah. like over and over. And then it was like, well, that didn't work, so we'll we'll add a re, we'll add another reverse, make it a double. They just weren't working anymore, and you already popped one for a touchdown. And then to do it on the two point, like, oh, I, I just didn't like that. And I know you can it, it, really this game though was about a lack of execution by the players in a nutshell. But I didn't think uh, Lafleur helped them out very much. Just I, I didn't like all those reverses. They 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 sprung one. They had success with it. I think you got to move on because the Giants just weren't falling for those anymore, and they just kept going back to the well. But all in all, I do think this team now, you know. I kind of, they kind of probably needed that. They've got to prepare like it's the Chiefs every week or you're going to lose in this league, and they hopefully learn that lesson. And uh, I do think they have a pretty good chance, though, of making the playoffs and getting four straight wins here. So let's go back. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not high on, like, the last two times he called it, but there's a big gap for me between I wish he didn't call that play at that time and the play calling was bad. And I think one of the standards is if it went from – if you fixed it from all the bad ones to the good ones, if you just changed it, would we have won the game? The answer is no. Matt LaFleur called a very good game. Um, look at how many times he called the right play and Jordan just missed a pass. If you, if you take all the bad calls from Matt LaFleur and make them good calls, we still lose the game. If you take all the bad plays from Jordan and make them good plays, we win the game. 
you can do that with defense. Um, maybe Keyshawn Nixon, if you take all his bad plays and make them good plays, we probably we potentially win the game. I mean, for one, the I mean, his two bad plays that stand out were brutal. Um, I mean, technically, you can say that with the kicker. It's a little bit unfair, but, you know, kind of puts you in a position to win the game if you don't miss the field goal. I just don't think you can do that with Matt LaFleur. I think we're just frustrated about basically two plays. All right, well, he called it like seven times, right? But four times it worked. The fifth time it makes sense that you would call it again. And then you got like two times where it's like, okay, you you shouldn't have done it those two times. So it's two times he did something we didn't like out of 40 play calls or however many in a game. So, um, yeah, I, again, I, I agree. I, I didn't, I, I even, I mean, you heard me say it live on the podcast, like, okay, enough of doing that. Like it hasn't worked. It, it stopped working. Even if we want to say it was three times or whatever, fine. But um, there's just, again, a big gap between bad play calling, which I don't think is the case. I thought the play calling was fantastic because there were opportunities to succeed. And, and I honestly don't even know that they were necessarily bad play calls. It's possible the reason he keeps calling it is because it works against what the Giants are doing. It was just a lack of execution on the outside of blocking or whatever, right? I mean, if, if they're not biting on it, which is what you're trying to do, you're trying to get them to bite on it so that you can call something that's a counter off of that. And if they're refusing to bite, then you just keep hammering that. But, um, you know, again, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't like it because it seemed like it just stopped working. But I don't know the reason for it. I don't know. I didn't go back and watch and see why it did or didn't work. Um, you know, I mean, if, if, if we massively outnumbered them, but guys are just blowing blocks, I can't be super mad at Matt LaFleur because it was just, it should have worked, you know, if guys just did their job. Um, but again, I have not gone back and, and looked at it, which I need to do probably today. I think I'm actually going to have some time today. We'll see. But uh don't want to make promises to myself or anybody else. Uh, Mike, what's going on? Mike. Good morning, there Ryan. There he is. Mike Hebring, a.k.a. Packers super fan. What's going on, man? Oh, Brian, that was disappointing. Um, but not like it wasn't predictable. Uh, I, I, I kept thinking of it. I might have said it. I don't know. But um, Mike called it and said we, we, he, we were going to lose this game. Like he predicted, I think we were going to beat the Chiefs. And then he predicted we were going to lose this. And it's just every time he does that, I'm like, okay, well, you're being a little silly. And then it happens. And it's like, well, freaking whatever. Um. I know I, I had my in my game day prediction I had a twenty three or twenty nineteen uh Giants and I also predicted there'd be a missed field goal in the game. I also had I predicted that Anders would also miss an extra point. I don't think you missed an extra point, but I do believe you did miss a field goal. So uh pretty close on the prediction and I think it and, and I'm not calling to brag about my prediction. That's not the point. Well break. Uh, the point impressive. is this is completely predictable. Um, and I think a lot of the Packers before the game started to, started to talk about it. There were whispers out there about, oh, you know, this watch out for this game. And I've been saying it all along. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is exactly what the Packers do. And you said it today on your podcast after the game or during the game uh, perfectly. This has always been the Packers. I mean, this... And, and it really gets down to home versus away. Um, you know, when I make these predictions, home field versus playing on the road is a huge factor. You know, you look at this game, they were six, what, six point favorites or six and a half point favorites 
on the road, yeah. again, I don't look at the six and a half points. I'm looking at on the road. This is this is the Packers. Look at what's the record at home this year and versus away. This is what they do every year, year in and year out. They win games at home, but they can't win games on the road. It's just how it is. Yeah, that's true. And 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 like you said, it doesn't matter if the faces change a hundred times. Doesn't matter if it's Lafleur. Doesn't matter if it's Mike McCarthy. Doesn't matter if it's Aaron Rodgers or if it's Jordan Love. This is what this Packer organization does. They win at home and they lose on the road. And they, and years ago, they used to win every playoff game at home. Yeah. Unfortunately, since the Michael anymore. Vick playoff game that happened quite a few years ago now, you know, the Packers winning uh, home games in the playoffs, that's not a thing anymore, unfortunately. But this is exactly what they do. They win on the, at home, but they can't win on the road. Um, but I want to talk more specifically about this Packer defense again. 18 first downs. 209 yards rushing versus the New York Giants. It's right. 209 yards rushing. What is that? The third or fourth game now? The Packers have given up over 200 yards rushing to the team. Has any other NFL team done that this year? That'd be, a, that'd be, I'd, I'd be interested in somebody to point that out. Who else has given up three or more games? So you got cut off. I just want to comment on a couple things. First of all, 209 yards rushing for the Giants. That was the most rushing yards they had all season. Um, They only came close to that once, 203 to the Jets. Aside from that, 132 is the highest. 132 is the third highest rushing game. We allowed 209. That is the most. Um, Looking deeper at what you're talking about, home versus away, very astute. Packers are four and two at home. They are two and one, two, three, four, two and five on the road. And their two wins were against Chicago and Detroit, which are divisional opponents. The scary part about that is we have another divisional game against Minnesota, which hopefully that trend holds and we can beat them. But the other away game is Carolina. If we beat Carolina, which we absolutely should, but if we beat Carolina, that'll be the first non-divisional opponent that we've beat on the road this year, which is pretty sickening. Uh, the other games that we have at home are Tampa and Chicago. Now, interestingly, the two games we lost at home were against Minnesota and Detroit, divisional games, which means we should be very worried about Chicago more so than Tampa. Like I, the, the only standout anomalies, if we look at non-divisional games at home, it was win, 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 win. On the road, loss, 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 and loss. That's insane. <laughs> Not including Vikings, Lions, and Bears. They are 4-0 at home, 0-5 on the road. And strangely enough, it's the exact opposite when you're talking about divisional games. And actually, it looks like Mike didn't call back in, so I guess he felt like that was enough of that. Ryan, Kyle from Madison again. Hey. What's up? Just heading out. About to fire up some podcasts and whatnot. I want to call in one more time before I hear everybody else's opinion and just give a couple thoughts. Um, it's so funny. I have seen this same game for 30 years. This is such a classic freaking Packers letdown game. I've seen this game with Favre. And Holmgren, I've seen it with, with freaking Rodgers and 
McCarthy and Rodgers and LaFleur and now Love and LaFleur. I mean, it's just, I think it's a classic letdown game and I freaking knew it was coming. And, um, but it really was a, a, just a team loss. Like every, every side of the ball, all three phases caught were really costly. Certainly special teams, probably at the top of the list. Uh, you miss what would have been a winning field goal. You, you, you got the big time turnover. Uh, Nixon had a howler of a game, man. Um, I suppose some people are going to be talking about the, you know, the Rizzuto Douglas trade and whether or not that looks ugly now. I guess that's fair. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I guess that's a fair thing for somebody to have an opinion like that. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, the- I mean, I could partially understand it, but if you're advocating for getting rid of Jair but also want Razul back, I think you're full of crap. Quarterback, especially Love, didn't look very good. I don't know why, what was going on with this football. It looked like a lot of people having problems gripping the football, hanging on to the football. I don't know if it must have been slippery. Um, and by the time that got sorted out, just more young mistakes. And I think, I don't know, I was just, like I said in my other call, I was just worried. I like a lot of people, like, set themselves up for disappointment here because yeah. they're still a young team. And I just, ah, oh man, I was anxious to see how they played when they were the favorites. And I, you know, this was kind of what I thought. Um, another lesson they got to learn is just, you got to prepare like you're playing the Super Bowl champions every week or you're going to lose. Um, they got a little unlucky, whereas they had gotten, I think they had gotten somewhat, I don't want to say the wins were lucky, but they got like lucky some beneficial bounces and whatnot in the last few games, and they just didn't get those today, the exception of a couple plays. It was certainly there for them, though, even with all the mistakes, it was there for them. Um, but again, the Packers were not going to win eight straight games, and I just right. I think a lot of people actually believe that was going to happen, and I was like a little bit taken aback by that. Like, no, they're not. that's not going to happen. It's not going to be a thing with this team. But I do still think now that they do have a chance to win out. I don't know if they will, but they could. And I think if they do that, they will make the playoffs. So we'll see, but everybody, simmer down, simmer down. Expectations are the seeds of resentment, my friend. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, I mean, I, similar to what I said before, I mean, it was it was unlikely. Um, you hate to see it be to the Giants, but we also don't need to overreact to that. It doesn't need to be, well, now we're not going to beat this, that, or the other. I mean, it just it just is what it is. They have the ability to beat every single person, every single team on the schedule, and they're not going to beat every single team on the schedule. And that's probably true moving forward. They are good enough, and I and I expect to bounce back. I mean, in general, I don't see them playing that level of bad for the rest of the year. Um, will it be kind of sloppy at times? Sure. Are we going to see the team that play the Chiefs again this year? Maybe not. But I don't see that level of implosion. You know, that... That bad of a game from Jordan, that bad of a game from Keyshawn, that bad of a game, you know, down the line from guys that just like, what are we doing here? Um, you know, again, like Josh Myers' worst pass blocking game and Elton Jenkins' worst pass blocking game. It was just down the line, people just not showing up for this game. But um, I think they're going to be better down the stretch. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. Who they're going to beat, who they're going to lose to, I don't know. Unfortunately, we probably will drop one to a divisional opponent which is unfortunate. I really hope it's not the Bears, and if it's the Bears that kick us out of the playoffs like it was the Lions last year, that is going to be absolutely brutal. I mean, it was bad when the Lions did it to us, even though I didn't really expect to do much or whatever, but you know, now that we got this new Jordan Love era, plus it's the Bears, I mean, of all teams, man, 
um, to have another team that's not going to be in the playoffs be able to win their Super Bowl by keeping the Packers out as we watch the Lions and possibly the Vikings go off into the playoffs and the Bears dragged us down like it's just that's that's the worst possible scenario and it's kind of setting up to go that way um but I don't know I don't know again we will we'll why and you know we, we can go on to just absolutely stomp out the Bucks, and then we're right back on the train of we're going to be undefeated we're going to go on a run in the playoffs the whole nine yards I don't know man we'll just we'll just have to uh play it by ear let's do uh let's do one more why not we got a lot to get through yeah Ryan. great game last night i have a few things i want to say i hear there's some kind of uh device and madden that you can't use in the round or any other play so many times it'll shut it off on you (laughs) too bad we couldn't use that last night anyway after that two-point conversion field Raise your hand out there if you think we were going to stop them from at least getting a field goal. Right. And one other thing, over in Minnesota, I'm pretty sure their defense would have stopped it. They got a lot less talent and doing a lot better. What's up with that? Talk to you later. Yeah, and I I just I don't know that that's necessarily debatable. I mean, you can try if you want to to just you know prove to me that they have better players than we do but that's going to be a struggle and then to prove to me that they're so much they, they have they're so good that they deserve to be top 10 and to be that much better than we are i mean come on man they're not that much better it's not true that there is just a direct correlation between how much talent you have and where your defense ranks you know cleveland right now is according to dvoa the number one defense in football and they do have some players miles garrett is obviously elite they've got maurice hurst who's having a good year and zadarius as always is having a pretty good year okay cool you know who their number one interior defensive lineman is dalvin tomlinson is he good no he's not you know who their number two interior guy is jordan elliott 44 pff grade Corners. Their number one corner is Martin Emerson. I don't know who that is. He has a 68 PFF grade. Then they have Greg Newsom, 60 PFF grade. Number three is Denzel Ward, 66. They have three average corners. Grant Delpit has a 70 grade at safety, and then Juan Thornhill, 65. These are not elite football players. They have two elite edge, one elite edge rusher, and a good edge rusher. They have a subpar or, I guess, mediocre defensive line. Decent linebackers, very mediocre corners, and okay safeties. That's number one defense in football. I mean, it's a a decent collection of guys. I'm not saying they're bad, but it's not like 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90. It's not even 70, 70, 70, 70. They don't have a single good corner. They don't have one lockdown corner on this defense in Cleveland. Baltimore is number two. They've got some. They've got some serious talent. It is. It is almost seventies across the board. Not. Not entirely. And they have no eighty. Or they do have a couple eighties. They. They have an eighty with Roquan Smith, which is hilarious. The Chicago Bears freaking ruined that guy. He never was this good in Chicago. And Kyle Hamilton at safety, who is just a freak, and I'm sad we didn't get him. Otherwise, it's seventies and sixties across the board. I mean, that's that's a solid football team, but there's no elite players. Right, Their best edge rusher is Jadavian Clowney. He's in the 70s. We know Jadavian. He's more of a run defender, although he seems to be having himself a year this year as a pass rusher for the first time ever. But just, you know, again, just the perception of being elite just 
all the way across the board is just not the reality. We have enough good players to be a good defense. To be better than 28th, for frickin' crying out loud. I mean, New England ranks 10th. They have the 10th best defense. They've got their three interior defensive linemen. Christian Barmore, 74. David Godshaw, 48. Lawrence Guy, 42. That defensive line kind of sucks. They're edge rushers. Dietrich Wise, 49 PFF grade. Anthony Jennings, 63 PFF grade. Wow, they suck. Their backups, by the way, Keon White has a 60 grade, and Josh Uche has a 59 PFF grade. So even their depth at edge sucks. Then they have very good linebackers in Jawan Bentley and um, uh, Jelani Tavai. Miles Brandt is their number one corner, 65 grade. Jonathan Jones has a 75. And then JC Jackson has a 35 PFF grade. So they got one mid, one good corner who's their slot corner. And then you got another boundary guy that's complete garbage. Like just horrifically bad. And then at safety, they have Kyle Duggar and Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers is very good. Kyle Duggar is mid. That's all it takes, apparently, to be top 10. Terrible defensive line, horrific edge rushers. Good linebackers, one good corner, one good safety, and they're they are a top 10 defense. You know what's hilarious about that? No edge rushers. Pretty bad defensive line. You know where they rank in run defense? Number one. Number one. How many excuses are there in New England for not having a good defensive line or edge rushers? Like, nobody up front is any good. They got the linebackers and the safeties obviously coming in to help. But how many excuses? I mean, how many people hate their GM slash head coach for the job that they've done stacking talent on this team to prevent them from, from being able to execute? Oh, probably zero, because they actually have a really good defense, and they stop the run better than anybody else in the entire NFL with no seemingly no good talent in their entire defensive front. Interior defensive line and edge, I'm referring to. Amazing. Team that I'm always baffled by, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're currently ranked number nine on as far as defense. They're always a defense that overperforms based on their talent. Let's go through theirs, and then we'll be done. Interior defensive line, obviously Chris Jones is a monster. He's actually having a down year, though. He has a 79 PFF grade and a 63 run defense grade. It's all just pass rush. His run defense is mediocre, and his tackling is actually pretty horrific. Next to him is Derek Nadi with a 36 PFF grade, and then the third defensive lineman is Tershawn Wharton with a 50 PFF grade. That's not a very good defensive line. At edge, George Karloftis, 61 PFF grade. And then Mike Dana, 63 PFF grade. That's not great. Okay, linebacker Willie Gay, 56. Drew Tranquil, 67. That's not great. At corner, Legereus Sneed, 67. Trent McDuffie, 83. There you go. There's your really good grade, although most of that is pass rush. He has a 76 coverage grade. Still good, not elite. And then Jalen Watson is their third corner with a 60 grade. And then at safety, they have Justin Reed, who has a 55 PFF grade, and Brian Cook with a 65. Their entire defense, as far as the starters are concerned, I'm going to say they have three good players. Trent McDuffie at corner, Chris Jones at defensive tackle, and I'll give them Leo Chanel as their number three linebacker, has a 70 PFF grade. If you want to go even further down the line, you can say Nick Bolton as their number four linebacker has a 69.3 grade. That's it. 
That's all they got. That's the number nine defense. Gutekunst, screw them. Okay? No more. No more. They have enough. They have enough. If you can't make what we have work, then forget it. All of these years putting all these guys in there. We know Rashawn can do the job. We know Jair can do the job. We know that we have two really talented linebackers. We have a, a defensive tackle that is becoming one of the better pass rushers in the NFL in Devontae Wyatt. He has an 80 pass rush grade. He has 35 pressures and four sacks on 239 attempts. We have Rashawn Gary on the edge. He has 44 pressures and 10 sacks on 284 attempts. We got Kenny Clark, who has nearly a 70 PFF grade, 73 pass rush grade, 43 pressures and six sacks on 372 attempts. So we got a solid defensive line, especially with pass rushers. TJ Slayton is the other interior guy. He's got a 60 grade, so he's mediocre. He's fine. He's not good in any one category, but he kind of sets the floor with two pretty solid guys next to him. Off the edge, Rashawn Gary, 82 PFF grade. That's on the opposite side of Preston Smith with a 71 grade. So we have a good interior. We have two really solid guys off the edge. Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell are both in the 60s, which is unfortunate because they're both better than that. Jair right now is not even a top three corner in terms of snap counts, but we got Keyshawn at a 60. We got Carrington at a 65. We got Car- Carrington Ballantyne at nearly a 60. It's a 57, 59.3 coverage grade. So we have three mediocre corners with Jair waiting in the wings. We know he's a guy that plays in the 70s every year, which is what Joe Barry has had primarily his entire career, along with another corner that he got on the other side, who was also in the 70s and 80s every single year. And then at safety, we have Rudy Ford with a 73 PFF grade, 74.4 coverage grade, and then Darnell Savage at a 66 grade. So just to be clear, we have a solid interior. We have two good edge rushers. We have two good linebackers. We have Jair when he's healthy, who's very good. And we have two safeties, one of which is above average and one of them is good. And we are 28th? We're 28th? What do we what do we got to do? What are we missing? What do we we got to get another safety so that we can go from Savage being a 66 PFF grade up to what? A 75 so you can be as good as Rudy Ford. That's going to fix everything. What do you want another edge rusher? You need a nut, you need a fourth or a fifth or a sixth. What do you want? We need another corner. Why? We had Razul Douglas and Jair Alexander both playing well. We couldn't do jack squat. What is that going to do? What 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 do you want? I don't know where else to put talent on this team. And I have no faith that if we give you the talent that you want, you're going to do anything with it. You have Wyatt and Kenny. I mean, how, how many guys do we have that are, that are solid pass, pass rushers right now? Rashawn Gary is unbelievable. Kenny Clark, his pass rush rate is fantastic. Devontae Wyatt is fantastic. Um, Preston Smith is right at 10%. You have pass rushers. Carl Brooks is at 10%. Kingsley and Igbare is at like 11, 12%. Tell me what you need. You need run defenders? Preston Smith, 74 grade. Darnell Savage, 74 grade. Rashawn Gary has a 73 grade. He's normally not known as a run defender. He has a solid run defense grade. Devondre Campbell is at nearly a 70. You have the pieces. I don't want to hear the freaking excuses. Rudy Ford is a solid run defender. He's having a great year in coverage. He also has a 73 tackling grade and a 65 run defense. He can do it. I don't want to hear the freaking excuses. 28th is unbelievably unacceptable. There's just no excuse for this. If you can't make this work, you suck. 
Packers don't have the best defensive pieces. They don't. Baltimore is better. San Francisco is better. I, I don't have no problem saying that. But we're not 28th. We're better than New England. We're better than Kansas City. We're better than Minnesota. This is a top 10 defensive roster that is ranked 28th. I mean, case closed. That's it. There's nothing else to say. I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> this is ridiculous. You guys have a good rest of your night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>